everyone. Welcome to episode 388 of This Is Whole Life, where each week we dig deeper into the message that has been happening here at Whole Life Church in Orlando. Each week we find something new to talk about, but it does typically, just as a warning, if you're a foodie, you like f- talk about food and other different fun things, this is kind of your place, and especially if you live here, because, <laughs> I mean, Ken had a good recommendation for, I think it was two weeks ago, for vegan. Did you try it? I haven't. I haven't uh, been out. So, so. how do you know it's a good recommendation? Because it came from Ken. Oh, okay. I mean, I thought that was just... Fair enough. I thought that's that, generous. I thought that was just... That's, that's very generous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... Jeff almost tried it. I almost tried it. Almost. almost tried it, yep. but he didn't quite get didn't there. Didn't get there. But see, now, your recommendation, I'm basing this off of... I think it was last year as staff, we went to, was it Tylicious? Yeah. yeah. And I thought that that's one of my favorite Thai places mm. now. And that's, that was your recommendation. So yep. if you can recommend good Thai, I feel like you can recommend other things <laughs> as well. Oh, I'll take that. That's Why kinda, not? That's one of my... Thai is kind of funky. Like if, is it if, really? If it, to me, there is bad Thai. Like not pad Thai. It's bad Thai. <laughs> like I like that little sheep reference like that? there. Yeah, that was, that no, was that was cute. Yeah. so. If 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 you can get good to solid to like a plus Thai, then I'm pretty much gonna go. If you are recommending, and I'm totally sold that your recommendation on the gelato place directly from oh, across man. the pond. I I just I feel so, so cheated good. though. That still was so good. Which is also, don't forget, people, episode 400, that's only 12 away. That means it's three months. We haven't really, uh, we still (laughs) haven't got a place, have we? Bernie Champagne, I am counting on you, my friend. Come through for us. We've talked about this, and we'll talk more about it. All right. This week, just so that you know, this is your last call for Barn Party. So we're just going to go through. I was just, we are late taping because I was at Four Rivers with Mr. Monday. Making sure that we have all no, of no, the last. No, no, just stop there. That's why you were late. You that's were at Four, four Rivers. rivers. Yeah. There yeah. we go. That's 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 what it was. There well, we I I was I was set, I was told I had to be at this meeting, so mm. I really didn't have a mm. I didn't have so an your out. Arm, I see your arm is it's really bruised. Did, did you go, hard. Jeff? No. Did you go, Melanie? I did not. I didn't go either. What yeah. are you? Guys, yeah, but you guys aren't doing communications for barn oh. party. Oh, okay. Well, are you? I mean, yeah. Well, you kind of. You should have been there. I would have. You know, I. That's bad on me. That's bad. You know on what me. though? I, you I didn't am... bring back anything. Just... I did. Would you like something? Oh, you know, I just want to be able to say you didn't bring anything back. That just completely ruins what I was trying to accomplish here. Oh, that's impressive. Oh, that cornbread. No, 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 no. It's better no, than cornbread. It's, it's wrapped in foil. It's warm. Oh, it's warm. What? It's cheesy grits. Okay. Cheesy grits. Wow. Baked okay. cheese grits. Oh, man. I don't, so. I can tell that's, that's going to be your supper, so I don't want to take that away from you. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Landed that right, on the, right, right on, the mic. on the mic. Sound effects. See, there's yeah. always, there's always food around here somewhere. Yeah, there somewhere. You so, know, we've had barn party on the brain, so can I have a question for you? Yeah. I'm wondering if last year when you did your sermon preparation, you saw barn party in November and thought, let's talk about sheep. Ooh. Is that what you did? You're like barn party, sheep. Those things go together. That's true. Um, I, you Our know sheep? what? It maybe it was subconscious. Maybe uh, that was okay. what it was. Maybe it was. Yeah, I've never. Been I mean, are sheep in barns? Do they do barns? Aren't they outside? Well, but 
I do believe that there's a petting zoo, right? Don't we? Old yeah. McDonald, I think. I right? think there's. We do there have, might, we there I think there might zoo. be some sheep in there. I don't know. And that Are starts there? at four. I mean, four Mandy, technically, our barn party doesn't have a barn, so. Well, there is on one on the logo. I, I know because <laughs> I, I put it there, so I, I know that. And there is a there is a cutout that, out on that Orange walk. Avenue there. Yeah. Right. So, there you so go. Close okay. enough. That's it's, that's what it's we a say. front. So isn't the story that it actually started off at a barn? It did. It did. It did. It actually started in what was called Boyt's Farm, and that was well over 25 years ago. I got it on good authority that the first year was probably 1980. And it's that's, close. And yeah. that's what we're sticking with. It's, it was, on, the, it's on the poster. 80 or 82, right around that area. Yeah. And we used to go there, and it was it maybe held about 100 people, right. 100 hmm. 50 people, maybe, max. Wow. And we should only have about 1,900 more than that this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only. We're going for 3,000 this year. Oh. All right. So if we're going for 3,000, Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. We're going to need about 3,000 bowls of chili. Wait, yeah, so please so, bring, bring chili. From the Directly from the mouth of Mr. Monday, don't forget, Whole Life Church, you are hosting this party for our community, and therefore, so, you are bringing your chili and your cookies, cookies. and a pie if you'd like. Yeah. Wow, that means I might actually have to cook. I know, right? Yeah. Chili. Didn't work out good for me last year. I was <laughs> so, But I'll still bring some chili anyway. Good even for though, you. Even though way it's underappreciated. It'd be a good loser. Right, right. <laughs> well, a good loser. <laughs> wow, Jeff, that was... That's a knife right to the heart. Right there. <laughs> so uh, uh, well, I'm not going to lay out everything, but you're going to find the updated schedule, the list of events. We still need some volunteers. So if you would go to wholelife.church slash barn party, that is in the show notes. Click on that. The first thing you can do at the top of the page is volunteer. We need an hour of your time. Maybe two if you have it. And thanks to all the people who gave like three or four hours of their time last yeah, Sunday. Last that Sunday. Was, there was a good yeah. group of people that came out and... So if you drive by the church right now, it already looks different. There's already stuff is going up. Has a feel. And then watch on social media. By the time you listen to this episode, you will find in our all of our social media feeds and on the Barn Party webpage, there is a short video that will show you where you can and where you cannot park. Ah. It is not the usual parking situation. Both of our parking lots that you're used to. Is that for church as well as that is for church as well. So when you get here for church. Um, so, I mean, I can't park in my normal space. That's true. Yeah, what? not even the normal lot. You'll be parking at the Cancer Center or the King Street Garage. Yeah. Is basically, oh, is that where you usually park? No, I usually <laughs> actually park over um, by the Children's Academy. Oh, okay. Well, that road will be closed That'll off as be well. That'll be for sure closed yeah. off. But, Randy, people actually really, I mean, it would be really helpful if, if people signed up because there are a whole lot of people who, are, who have been saying, well, I'll just show up and I'll help wherever. It would be great to know who we have and, you know, what areas people are going to participate in so that Absolutely. we know where we need volunteers. It also means that John Monday can save money on antacids. That's when right. You do That's that. right. It's, yeah. it's, um, and the church has to pay for those since it's work related. So, yeah, so you, you can have go. to. <laughs> Ellen and I. <laughs> now, if you do show up and you're just like what? me, you might get in a little bit late on that. If you do come, we can still find something for you to do. We will, but it'd be great but if you would, would sign up. It would be great. All right. So, Barn Party, check out the link. Volunteer. Make sure you bring chili and some cookies, and we can feed the masses, and we can all have a warm tummy full of food. And the church is providing hot dogs and, hot dogs. and the hot dog buns and condiments and right. uh, so, water. 
but it's gonna be without good. the chili, without I mean, the dogs, chili, hot dogs are not the same. Without I, there is yeah. nothing better than a chili dog, is there? Right. So make sure Ken gets one of your chili dogs because maybe we'll have Ken see how many how many hot dogs, how many chili dogs can Ken try with maybe the finalist from the award winning chili <laughs> before he be dies. Cardiac <laughs> 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 arrest. <laughs> well, maybe it's not a good idea, but it was just a thought. All right, <laughs> it was an idea. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Did I ever tell you guys about the time I did a haystack judging contest? For those of you who don't know what haystacks are, this is this Adventist. It's like a taco (laughs) salad, right? If you don't know what this is. Anyway, so I I told this group of – it was a Pathfinder – if you don't know what Pathfinder is, it's a youth organization <laughs> throwing out all these great Adventist organizations and th- th- customs here or whatever. Anyway, it was a campery for all, the, it's all these Pathfinder clubs from all over Kentucky and Tennessee came together. And it is a tradition. I don't know what it is. It's a tradition for Pathfinder clubs to have a haystack meal at some point during a campery. It always happens. It has to be. There were, I want to say there were four, 30, 30 clubs or so there. And so I joked that I was going to go ahead and judge all the haystacks, and all the directors took it seriously. Oh, and I, made you a plate? Oh, yeah. I had <laughs> I had over 30 different haystacks. That, I want to tell you, it messed me up something <laughs> bad. I, and that's why when you say a chili dog, kind of, I was yeah, like, no, nah, I've been there. I don't, I don't know if I can ever do that again. I mean, it would... I will not go on to details for the sake of whoever yeah. may be listening, but it was it was not good. Not and the food was good. Oh no, of course it was good. That was good, but there's very few the ways consequences you can... afterwards were <laughs> were not good. You can you, it's very hard to ruin a haystack. I mean, people have done it. I had a dessert haystack that week because I was like, don't everybody do the same. So I had a dessert, I had a breakfast haystack that Ooh. was interesting. I don't know. Is that really a haystack? Oh, it was. (laughs) Trust me, it was. It counted. All right. So maybe we'll have to get together and take notes and we can, maybe we should send in. The winning winning haystack though. What was it? They put coleslaw. Oh. And I was like, I thought that's exactly what I said. Cause they're like, would you like some coleslaw? Cause you can pick your toppings, right? Often. I was like, would you like, I was like, no, not unless you want to lose. I don't like coleslaw period. And they're like, no, no, you should try it. And I was like, hey, if you're willing to risk your, you know, your opportunity to win, that's it's up to you. So they put it in there. And it it was life changing. I liked it. It was wow. really really good. Yeah, okay. and actually, I I we we went to this this little restaurant one time um, when we were out. We were, I think we were on St. Thomas or something. We visited this little restaurant downtown, and that was the same thing. I ordered nachos, and they put coleslaw on top of yeah. it. And I thought, what is this? You, I was going to scrape it off, but it was actually really good. It really is. It was it was shocking. Coleslaw. Shocking hmm. coleslaw. I know. I, well, I'm, I know they put cabbage a lot of times on, like if you go to a, like a taco stand, they'll yeah. use cabbage. I'm out on that too. Yeah. <laughs> cabbage. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah you got to like try sa- it before you knock it on this one. I'm just Sauerkraut. It worked. Ooh, sauerkraut. <laughs> Get that in with the beans. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I've never tried that, but I've, I I do like sauerkraut. Yeah. Okay. All there right. you go. Well, now we've gotten our foodie out of the way, so bring your, bring your chili, bring your... Because Ken's not going to eat all of it, we can't. We no. he, he promises not to. The, the one thing interesting, I was not here this uh, past Saturday. I, I was uh, camping at Port Canaveral with my family, but I noticed after going back and checking the chats that we had two couples that were worshiping online from a cruise ship this week. Are you oh. serious? Yeah, Richard and Damaris Bennett. Uh, they were on a ship near the Canary Islands with also with Joe and Debbie Francis. Oh my! Both on the same ship, both on a cruise, both watching 
service, second service, no I way. believe it was live. That's awesome. That the is only really thing, cool. The only thing that would be better is, is if you can get them to put it in the theater. <laughs> the <laughs> That's right. <laughs> does, does, does that yeah. giant eighty-five foot liquid display have airplay? Yeah, right. At, could... the, <laughs> at the aft of the boat, like yeah. the, you have the giant screen. I'm sign. watching church, and if we could put it on the big screen, that would be awesome. <laughs> But no, that's so cool. Thank yeah, you for watching from cool. the cruise ship. That's so, so cool. I, We're all a little jealous. We would have liked to be there with you, maybe. Especially but. since you probably spent $6 a minute on your Wi-Fi. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I spent I spent an all-day afternoon, Saturday afternoon, sitting next to the Carnival Mardi Gras at Port Canaveral, listening to some hype DJ and six hours of just relentless through-your-brain music that I could live without. So I don't know about the cruise. No? Heather was like, oh, maybe we should do a cruise. That looks fun. I'm not going like, to lie. I and, love cruises. And she's like, if that hype music played the whole time, I would jump off the ship myself. It, it's too much. <laughs> I mean, it, it was too much. It was it was too much. It just well, You were trying to camp. Okay. I mean, maybe if you're on the ship, maybe it's more fun. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's pretty admirable that they would take their time from a cruise, which you got so many things going on. Well, they were they were disembarking and new people on, so they were trying to get everybody hyped, like, you know, what are you going to do for the next but, seven days besides nothing and other things we won't talk about? And that, you know, hyping them up and playing music and had the big, you know, 90-foot display up on the fifth, eighth, eighth deck, top deck, and they had a roller coaster. I mean, the place was, was kind of nuts. See, but. I know what was going on there, Jen with you randy what was going on is you're just jealous you Probably. Were, that's what it was i was trying to take a nap in my tent is what it was really well, there happening. you go also key phrase <laughs> mardi gras <laughs> <laughs> like if mardi gras is attached <laughs> to it it's yeah eight hours of, mm, <laughs> like, somebody stop it oh man we are way off track but one one <laughs> back to the sheep back to the sheep uh, and but one of my favorite sheep uh pam nolan and um, I'm not sure about that. She's, exactly, Randy. she's part. Pam, okay, Pam, I'm talking directly to you now. Don't listen to the rest of them. Part of You're the flock. Part of the okay. flock. Okay, she's a member here. And Pam is one person that I know that I can always count on to get real feedback when it comes to the podcast. And she sent us an email this week that said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And that's Revelation 3.20. That's from the New New Living Translation. And she said, I was listening to the podcast on Laodicea and you all brought up this scripture. I immediately thought of this painting by Holman Hunt and wanted to share his holy imagination, in air quotes, of the scripture in all its meaning and beauty with you. Thank you all for the beautiful way you serve, contribute, and bless our community. Pam. Oh, that's Thanks, nice. Pam. And so Thank you. I, Thanks, Pam. If you're not familiar with that picture, I will send the link that she sent me so that you can take a peek at it. There are versions that I've seen from Adventist versions of the kind of the same picture. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure if you looked around, you'd be able to do a Google search and find Jesus others. with the lamb over. Uh, that's the one where he's holding the lantern by the door <laughs> in the garden. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and okay. the door yeah, yeah. knock. And, okay. and all week, I haven't even been able to get rid of that verse and just the thinking of it in that way. So, Pam, that was a very, very cool reminder. And I had never seen that painting in particular but it really is very beautiful. So thank you for your kind words, as always, and for being one of the flock. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So this week we start a new series. And so if you are if you didn't get a chance to catch that message, it's we're in the 23rd Psalm, a new series. And this one was Follow Me to Soul Restoration. And part of me was like, okay, how 
how where are we going to go with this? Because I feel like I've done I've actually preached a sermon um, on the twenty third Psalm before. Really? Mm-hmm. And I also we should give Randy well, next week or I, something. Next, yeah, there we go. Yes, maybe you're on. Maybe that's what we should have done. <laughs> we should have given the entire staff. Everybody takes their best shot at the 23rd Psalm, just, just you know, well, like some sort of 23rd Psalm throwdown or something. And everybody else always has good book recommendations. So yeah. this week I brought mine. Oh. Look at you, Randy. And so this Whoa. is oh, yes. Philip Keller. Philip, Philip Keller. Keller um, that is way th- that's a thicker, bigger than the, one that than I've the, got. Uh, this is multiple. This is one, two, three, four books in one. Uh-huh. Oh. And I was given this for standing up in my best cousin's weddings. Uh, this was right after Heather and I got married. And uh, the first one in this, and the one I've read probably 10 times, is A Shepherd Looks at the t- at Psalms 23, Philip Keller. Classic. Mm-hmm. And that book has, I was going through it last night, and I found a I found a, a lovely bookmark with a really cool message from my bride of only about a year and a half at that point mm-hmm. that was tucked in one of my favorite pages. And there are there are highlights and pencil marks all over this book. And uh, I've forgotten where I got it from. You can see I've used it enough that the inside jacket is starting to tear apart on the hardcover. Uh, but absolutely one of my favorite books. So if you're looking for something to do a little extra reading on this subject. Well, you know you've written a classic book. When a pastor goes to preach on a subject and half the congregation recommends the book to them ahead <laughs> yeah. of time. Really? What, and that, so what were you working off of? What do you mean? For the for someone sent you a book recommendation? Oh, I've, I had uh, – Jeff gave it to me um, a month <laughs> or two ago. And then uh, Denise Butler – Okay. Um, gave me when we were out at Connected. She said, "Hey, here's a book you need to if, if you're preparing for this." And she's right. And I mean, it's a classic book. And then I think one of my favorite books. I like I like I like uh, Keller's book. I think probably one of my favorites is uh, The Good Shepherd um, mm. by Kenneth Bailey. Kenneth Bailey, That's one of my favorites. Well, I will put a link to both of those books in the show notes, just in case you might happen to want to take us up on those recommendations, mm-hmm. but absolutely one of my favorite books. And as someone that was coming back to Jesus after a long, long time away, um, it really was meaningful yeah, in a, a lot of ways. Book. Yeah, a lot of ways it was. Really good recommendation, Randy. So there you go. That is my one book recommendation probably for the next <laughs> at least 12 months. You've done good. <laughs> so um, take that for what it's worth. Anyhow, uh, when, when you started to... Thinking about just the first three verses in in the twenty third Psalm, and maybe this is nothing, but this is what struck me initially. And it's been a long time since I read the book, and it it's, it had me thinking in a bunch of different directions. But what stood out was what does it say about us as Jesus people, as a in in Him using <laughs> uh, comparing us to sheep when. In the example that you showed of the cast sheep, it's unable to write itself on its own. You're like, you know, other sheep are present and they don't do anything because either they don't understand what's going to happen to their cohort if something doesn't happen. Maybe they just don't care or they just don't have the ability. Maybe it's, you know, the lack of opposing thumbs and being able to stand on their hind legs or wobbly. Uh, whatever it is, it just seems like maybe it's obvious to some. But the more I thought about it, I mean, are we are we – as equally blind sometimes to what those around us go through? Because we all think, well, yeah, I mean, of course I love Jesus and you love Jesus. So Ken knows what to do. I mean, Ken Ken doesn't struggle like that because Ken knows Jesus loves him and he knows that he's the good shepherd. And so do we all just walk around and, and just 
aren't paying close enough attention? Or is there really nothing that we can do? Are we helpless to help each other? Maybe that's too far, but that's just stumped the room. That just seems it just <laughs> something I thought about since the beginning of the of the message was was maybe we just don't see it. Maybe we just are oblivious to it. Or maybe we just don't care. I mean, you know, I suppose there's cases for I everything. Think, I, th- I would venture that I think people care. I think that there's a such a combination of things. I think sometimes we can have a lot going on in our own personal life, and it, it can make it hard to see what's happening in other people's lives because we're just trying to keep our nose above water um, with everything that's happening to us. I think that also there's times where we don't recognize what's happening in another person's life because it hasn't happened in ours. And so we don't really understand all that's going on there um, because we've never experienced it. So we just, we don't really understand that. But I think there are also a lot of really, really, really great, good-hearted people who do recognize that. And I think that one of the, you know, I'm not sure that I can, I want to call out names too much, but I'm, uh, this last Sabbath was a fantastic example of this, is that I had one of our church members who who had a um, a colleague who was going through a real difficult time in their life, and, and our church member said, hey, you need to come to whole life. You need to come here. And, and so, you know, that church member was looking out and was caring about what was mm-hmm. happening in their, in their friend's life. And so... Um, and I see that happen a lot. So I think sometimes we can be oblivious. I think sometimes we can notice. And I think there are things that we can do to to help. But and I think that that's part of the blessing of, you know, uh, that Jesus gives us that that we get to be His hands and feet and help out. You know, it's funny when you're walk on a walk and you're walking with people and you have a stone in your shoe. It's hard for you to think about anything else but that stone in your shoe. That's true. And and sometimes it and that's why you know we always think about it from the standpoint of well, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your eyes focused on those around you. But you know, I you know, I tell people when they say, you know, how can I be more caring? I I think the first rule of thumb is that we need to care for ourselves. <laughs> And that in, in those moments, in those early moments of the morning or the, the late evening, you know, whatever, get that stone out of your shoe. Get that, lay that burden on. I don't think a shepherd ever goes out into the field sick and feeling like he can't take care of sheep. He has to make himself ready, obviously. Sure. And I, that's a poor analogy because I have no idea what it's like to be a shepherd. But, But I do think that for us to notice the burdens of others, we need to lay our burdens at Jesus' feet first. Mm. Because otherwise, our mind will never be focused on another thing other than ourselves. Hmm. If that makes sense. Also seems like maybe the problems that you know and are familiar with and that you deal with every day are the ones that are right in front of well, you and take... Kind of precedence, yeah. But think, yeah, and think about how bad you know. You can make your life pretty bad. You can you can dwell on yourself for a long time. But and that's why it's important to say, you know, I'm putting this now. I'm done. I'm putting this at your feet, Lord, because I've got others around that I want to take care of. Hmm. It it does seem though that 
that's easy to forget about is to take care of yourself. Especially it's very that, easy. Especially if that's not something you're good at. I mean, if your self-speak is not the best and, you know, <laughs> I usually get scolded because <laughs> mine is, is often, and sometimes, you know, my mom will say I'm mumbling to my whiskers. And when you did, you know, under your breath and you're trying to work through something and trying not to, you know, to say, say things you want to say, you just try to keep it all in and just work through it. And sometimes I feel like that just makes it worse for just trying to get it out, get it done, at least admit and deal with what's sitting right in front of you. But then to, and I'm not always comfortable with saying to myself, man, you need to do a better job of that. And then if you're not if you're not really comfortable almost guiding yourself, it doesn't seem like maybe that's a strong point that you right. want to tiptoe right. into the water to help somebody else. And I sometimes I think that's a that's a place you don't necessarily always feel comfortable. Because how, how do you start that conversation? Well, I've noticed that you're really struggling with A, B, or C, or you seem extremely you know angry, or you know I, I don't know how do you, how do you approach that without making the person feel worse or going like oh was that was I letting that show Ugh. you know that that can kind of be an uncomfortable uh, place to start from too. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I the, it doesn't really answer the question, but the when you think of it from realizing that you have to have the shepherd because he's preparing things. I liked how, you know, Ken was like, hey, you know, that like where this person's thinking about and, and writing about and talking about, there are no green pastures. <laughs> you know, these waters are not relaxing, cool waters. They're a brook, they're a stream, and, you know, they have to have it either dammed up so they can drink out of a pool or they have to be provided for some other way. And you actually have to tend to this this grass and and to feel content. And I was like, man, if I'm honest with myself, when was the last time that I really stopped and slowed down enough and just said, wow, I'm just content to be here and just sit in that proverbial green grass with the perfect belly, the the perfect watering, the perfect everything, and just let God do whatever he wanted to do. And I didn't really like the answer I came back with because it's not, it, it, and maybe that's why this is so beautiful is because it's something to strive more for or just a realization, but it's hard to know what you don't know. How often, if you don't feel it, how often can it, it almost seems like the, the reward seems really good. But if you haven't been there, how do you know how to get there or how to enjoy that or how good it could be? guess you have to let the shepherd take you there, huh? <laughs> yeah, but okay. <laughs> so wait, I'm going to let, uh, so, I mean, is that a, is that a request? Is that a prayer? Is that a, is that a study? Uh, how does how does one do that if you've not felt like that's something you've experienced before and say, that sounds pretty good. I, I like what Ken's talking about there. I, I'll, I'll take one. Um, <laughs> so one way would be fine. I don't need to come back. I'd just like to go get there, stay there for a while, and then we'll talk about what the next stop is. How do we help someone get to that spot if that's not something they've really experienced before? I think it goes back to what you were saying a minute ago is, is just asking for it. And mm. I think sometimes um, I think sometimes as sheep we have a different image of the green pastures than perhaps the green pasture that that God has for us. 
And so I think part of it is asking God to help us to find contentment and peace in where we are as opposed to where we want to be or where we think hmm, yeah. we need to be. We're going to talk about this a little bit this coming week as we talk about going through the valley of the shadow of death. But sometimes, and Keller talks about this in his book, he says that basically that you have to go through the valleys to get to the highlands where the uh, where the green grass is at. And so I think sometimes we try to rush through the valley <laughs> instead of following the lead of the of the the shepherd and so i don't know for me it for me the place i'm at in life and this may not work for everybody but the place that i'm in life is i just really try every day just to tell god that i that i want to give him permission and it's not because he doesn't because like my permission matters so much or whatever but it's more for my sake is telling god hey you're in charge of me today you do what you want to do in my life and help me when i fail to not beat myself up because I put myself in your hands and you're able to f- pull me out of the mess that I that I'll put myself in like that sheep that the we end saw of the- on the <laughs> video during second service that was by the way great great send I don't know if I have permission to say you sent it to me so that was, but it was that, that was, was a great so send when I watched that one in preparation it was like someone from first service and immediately I was like okay got you, you piqued my interest and I think I've I've seen that meme or that yeah. video before, and usually it's it's tied to a meme of some sort or the other. But it was like who can't who can't resonate with that? <laughs> where it's like, oh man, you're pulling. It hurts. It hurts. Okay, I'm, I, oh I'm out. And it's like, wow, I'm excited. Yeah, two hops and boom, we're right <laughs> boom, back in <laughs> into the same thing. And it's just like, you know. But it also just reminds you that the shepherd knows you're going to do it, and he's going to go back and, and and pick you up and and. <laughs> As much as I can say that I haven't always felt it when I've wanted to or maybe in the way that I feel like I should or whatever that's supposed to feel like, looking back, he always comes back for you and it's always better when he's with you than when he isn't. Even if sometimes when he's with you, it doesn't feel the best because you're going <laughs> through things that yeah. you'd, you'd really just, if you chose, you'd say, yeah, maybe I'll skip that. You know, I think part of it is cultivating an awareness because if you if if 95% of your life is going great and 5% is going horribly <laughs> i mean it's it's our tendency to focus on the 5% sure right so i i think i think maybe part of you know does contentment have to be across the board or can you look at different areas where you feel content in terms of you know you you may not understand everything you may not have an entirely clear picture but you are content in your in your connection with God or or i mean what i don't think it has to be all or nothing i think that there can be little tiny green pastures where we can pause you know it doesn't have to be acres and acres you know i kind of like what jeff was was mentioning earlier just um, recognizing that Totally lost where I was going. I I guess I I guess I was off in a green pasture. (laughs) Well, and you 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 took time and you stopped to rest, and that's that's good. Yes, I feel very refreshed. Thank you. (laughs) No, I I love that though. The fact that what you just said though is that 
the rewards of the world that people push as the pinnacle of maybe your profession or of affluence or any any different thing that you could put into what we might struggle with, what we might be looking to achieve that it's always a, an abundance it's always huge it's the golden it's the gold ring it's it's everything when sometimes like this weekend just a, a weekend away with your family camping in a tent yeah when you wake up from a nap and three steak poles have fallen because they've stakes have been ripped out of the ground due to a windstorm and you're sleeping <laughs> under a tent instead of in a tent and you're like oh well I still slept pretty good I guess that you know that's a little green pasture that might be mixed with a few other things but to find the small pieces where you can say this was a win or this is a this is a, a step forward it's just maybe a stepping stone to moving in the right direction and finding those yeah I think I mean if you think about it from the standpoint of the the shepherd is the one that's always concerned about where he's going to find the next pasture or the shepherd is the one that who's you know how is he going to protect against the next attack from the predator the sheep all they get a chance to do is follow and i think a lot of times i i, I like what you said melanie in terms of the idea that that you know 95 of the of our day literally is done with things that we were hoping for that would have, you know, turn out and they did. Whereas some of those things that, that are so hard for us to get over are usually five to 10% of our <laughs> life. I always tell couples when they come in for counseling, you know, that, you know, cause they come in with so many different problems. There's so many different issues. You know, we have this issue and this issue. And a, a lot of times they, they come in for counseling or they come in, because they want all of those issues taken care of. And in, and all of us know, we're all part of relationships. It's about 60% of the problems in our relationships just are not solvable. You can't, you can't just, you can't manage them. You can't go, th you can't get around them. Sometimes you just have to walk through them. They're going to be problems. Maybe time, you know, we'll, we'll handle some of it. Maybe a resolution will come, but 60% of the things that we deal with in life are unsolvable issues, at least in the moment that we're trying to get them done. Hmm. So, and I don't know where that, that's a probably, a, I think that's a Gottman uh, uh, figure that they've come up with some research, but all I'm saying is, is that a lot of times what we need to do is just allow the shepherd to lead and we just get a chance to follow. So getting, yes, take some time, get the stone out of your shoe and then the walk would be, you know, just say, okay, God, I put it on you and now I'm going to, I'm going to make this journey with you. And hopefully tomorrow I'll wake up and. You're going to let me eat I and have drink. another day and of <laughs> pastures and water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and take a break. Yeah. Well, the funny part about this is the 23rd Psalm is, is in a lot of ways, very relaxing, very reassuring, very affirming. Yeah. But also, and, and seemingly simple... And yet it can be so complicated when it's like, well, well, that sounds easy. I'll take what Jeff just described. Uh, I don't have to do any planning necessarily. I mean, I, uh, the, the shepherd's going to take me where he wants me to go if, if I'll only let him, trusting that I will be watered and fed and 
given a place to rest. So if we don't have to do all the heavy lifting in that respect, not to say that life is easy and there's not decisions we have to make, but that seems like a pretty easy thing to follow in in ways to explain it, ways to understand it seems overall pretty simple. But every time you you either preach a sermon on this or you hear a sermon and then you to me, this is one that always has questions, and that was no different this week. In the chat, we had we had a lot of uh, questions, and we had. And I, I, I want to get started because we do have quite a few of them that we need to get to. But the the overall theme seems to be prevalent. So we may, you know, we may answer a few as we go through before we actually get a chance to ask them because a lot of them follow the same vein, uh, asking asked, what about those who appreciate and follow Jesus, the shepherd, but still find themselves upside down and unable to move? And it's a a recurring theme because we all find ourselves in that position and probably have multiple, multiple times in our life. And, but the questions seem, the answers seem easy, but they don't always seem achievable, maybe? Or achievable on a, on a regular basis? So if you found yourself in that place multiple times in your life, that means you've been righted multiple times as well, right? Hmm. So maybe surviving being upside down for a little while with the knowledge <laughs> that I've been here before, I know what this feels like, but I also know what it feels like to be righted. It is silver lining Melanie today. <laughs> Isn't, that, isn't that nice? I, no, <laughs> that was... No, I... Thank you. Thank you. That's one that, again, it's one that you you get frustrated with, but instead of looking at it as, man, here I am again, upside down, these stupid hooves looking up at the the clouds, (laughs) and I can't get myself back up. Oh, right. Someone keeps coming along and helping me and writing me. Yeah, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool, but maybe I should not do it as much. See, it's always easy to to move past the silver lining back to the cloud. (laughs) But... Erin had a great uh, observation. She said, I never thought of how we are literally damaged when we stray from God. All this extra knowledge about sheep makes this psalm mean so much more. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I think that the way, Ken, that you described it, you know, in, in reading the books and the, the research you did, and for those of us, like I said, uh, reading this book was really I knew a bunch of this going into it just because I had read that book a long time ago and it, it kind of stuck with me. But it does make it just like we talked about it in the in the last series about you know the I stand at the door and knock and me realizing that that was Revelation and not Matthew and being one of my favorite verses and those things tend to stick with us and mean so much more. Um, and so I, Aaron, I'm I. I like it when you when you see somebody else kind of that the whole picture starts to come together and you go, wow, that does mean so much more. And it's fun to have someone join you in that knowledge of the Bible that way. Uh, Corbin asked, what if we never get back to the right path? If things go bad, whose fault is it, mine or the shepherd's? <laughs> well, yours, of course. <laughs> no, that's, I'm sorry, that wasn't nice. No, I and that's, you know... We tend to do that, though, right? We yep. we tend to be like, well, it's the sheep's fault because they're sheep. Um, and yet sheep are sheep, right? I mean, sheep do what sheep do. That wasn't like a shocker to watch that sheep get out of the ditch <laughs> only to wind up headfirst in it again. 
is it is it possible to um is it possible to 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 not assign blame but to go back to maybe what Melanie was talking about and and just trust the shepherd because my feeling is if I've if I've put my life into Christ's hands, um, I don't spend a lot of time fearing whether I'm on the right path or not. I feel like the good shepherd, if I've said, and and, and can I just I'll just make it a little personal. Um, there there is a um, an issue in my life that I really struggled with for a while, um, for a good while, and it was one of those things where you. You know, Paul says, if you believe something's a sin, it is a sin, right? No, is that Paul or is that Hebrews? I can't remember which one it is. But anyway, the point is, there was this thing in my life that I just really felt like God didn't approve of, that God didn't want, and um, I would get away for it, from it for a while, then I'd come back to it for a while. Um, a lot of my friends who have been through addiction will really resonate with that. And I finally, and I prayed about it, and I asked God over and over, like, "Hey, you know, take it away. You know, if you ask for any good thing in God's name, right? I mean, yeah, you know, it's you know, be. this 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 must be a good thing that you don't. I can't imagine you're okay with this." And I finally got to a point where I think that Paul was when he talked about. He said, "You know, I I pray that this be taken away." And Christ said, "My grace is sufficient for you." And so. That's not me saying that we, you know, that we shouldn't do the best that we that we can do. But there's also a part of me that has come to a place of peace with God's grace in my life, where I say, Lord, I I'm not happy with who I am as a human being. I'm not happy at how I'm snapping with my kid at my kids. I'm not happy with that. I'm not as kind and and patient as I need to be. And I want to be different, and I'm giving you permission to change me. But if you don't change me, that's on you, because I'm giving you permission. I want to be changed. I want to be different. And and then just trusting that God will do what God wants to do in his time since I've turned it over to him. I think that's, for me, where I've found a lot of peace in my life. There's a long period of my life where I felt a lot of angst because I felt like, I wasn't trying hard enough. I wasn't doing enough. I, I needed to, you know, do, 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 be, 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 you know, and and so I, I lived, I did not have peace in my life. I was constantly um, trying to decide whether it was the shepherd's fault or my fault, you know, and I would go between them, you know, why aren't you, why don't you care enough about me, God, to do what needs to be done? And then why, why can't I be a better person? And if I were just a better person, I wouldn't be finding myself doing these things and being who I don't want to be and who I'm not proud of. And um, finally to me, the, the finally the piece for me came when I just came to that, that God's grace is sufficient. I've asked God to take these things out of my life. And whenever you're ready to do it, God, you'll do it. And in the meantime, just help me to be the person that you want me to be. Change me a little bit every day. And as I look back on my life, what I see is that when I finally was able to turn my life over to Jesus and let him take over as the shepherd 
and let him worry about where the right path was instead of me constantly telling him where the right path was for me to be, or having some other pastor tell me where the right path was, and I and and not just trusting the good shepherd. And that's not to say there isn't good advice from good places. But when I finally just let Jesus be Jesus and be the shepherd of my life, it's when I started finding peace in my life. When I was when I said, you know, I'm not happy with where I'm at, but I'm going to trust you because as a sheep, I don't always see clearly. I get it. But I'm just going to trust you. And even when I'm angry, you know, I'm angry at you right now. And I trust that you can handle me being angry at you and not being a happy sheep. <laughs> you know, I think there, this is why I, I love metaphors and analogies. And I also hate metaphors and, and, and analogies <laughs> because there is a point at which the, the metaphor breaks down or the analogy mm-hmm. breaks down. And, you know, the wonderful thing about metaphors is there can be a surplus of meaning and, and it can like, you know, Aaron said, wow, you know, this is such a bigger picture now because because of exploring this through this metaphor. But um, I think that this metaphor can be problematic in two ways. One, if we stay in the theoretical sort of airy metaphorical land where we're talking about, you know, shepherds and sheep and pastors and those sorts of things, and we never figure out how to connect the dots you know, to our actual lives. And the other part is there is this picture of a shepherd who has to, you know, leave the 99 to go find the one and the one has wandered off on some path. And that's that's where the metaphor breaks down for me because I think that it's it's not so much about the path as it is about the journey, first of all. And second of all, there is no place where the shepherd isn't. Right. There is no path that God is not already on with you. It's not like you have wandered off somewhere and you were all alone and and, you know, and God has to sort of figure out where you are. I, I don't see that. And so for me, that's where the, the metaphor breaks down, because I think God is always already there. Or even the fact that some of the sheep can be lost in the sh- in the fold. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, now we're going deep. <laughs> but, but also that it breaks down on the, sa- the side of we're, you know, in some, as we, as you read through Paul's writings and Romans, and, and there is a transition of a sheep to somewhat of a care, caretaker. You know, maybe we don't, I mean, let's face it, there's times when we even call ministry shepherding, right? So, yeah, there's, and yet we're all still followers. So, I like how it explains it. It does give a beautiful picture for those that are at that stage to say, he will go after the one. But I like also what you're saying is that when you really get down to it, we know that God. I mean, he doesn't lose us. Yeah. He doesn't not know where we are. He doesn't not know like, oh, hey, where'd Melanie go? It's been a while since she's checked in. Right. Like, you know, there. so there's a, there's a beautiful part and a comforting part to that as well. But just realizing the difference. And I know that that's maybe sometimes a little bit of semantics or, or mind play maybe. The part that I think was critical, which Ken, I think he did really well with uh, kind of exacting, and that is that. We cannot exist yeah. without a shepherd. I mean, literally, that sheep. I, I was actually kind of blown away as to how much a sheep cannot survive without a shepherd. Period. It's not like it can go rogue and just go live out in the. You know, I'm going to go off and be by myself. I'm not going to hang with the flock. Can't do it. There's so many things they can't do. Yeah. And and, and thinking back to it, one of our my um, principal in. Um, 
early high school, we had 10 grades at our little, little three-room schoolhouse. But he had sheep for a while. And he was just like, you know, they, they literally – it's a never ending. He'd get phone calls during school. Like, Hey, you know, they, they found a place to get out of the, out of the fence. And, you know, now we're, it's, it's all hands on deck to get them all back because, and they won't survive, especially, you know, winter time and things like that. And that was a, I, I agree, Jeff, that was one where it's just like, just, you know, kind of another remember, like you can't do it without, there is no, there is no, Hey, I'm just going to go and be a rebel and do it myself. It just isn't, it isn't going to work. All right. On to Anonymous, who said, Ken spoke of the sacrifices of the shepherd in preparing and taking care of the sheep. I have heard the question posed, Jesus, God, in parentheses, came down, lived for 33 years, and yes, suffered and died on the cross. But for a God whose perspective is infinite time and space and resources, how is this a sacrifice? Wow. Wow. I uh, did I did everyone remember that I suggested a book this week? <laughs> <laughs> so, that was, I, that was I, your contribution. That was is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> that was my contribution. This one, uh, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that f- maybe I just am viewing it through a different lens. But for me, probably the greatest sacrifice is from someone who doesn't have to make it and doesn't have to doesn't have to do anything. I, you know, just because the dentist chair is only for an hour doesn't mean it's not a lot of fun. Um, not something I'd be happy to not have to deal with in the course of my, you know, my existence. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I, I definitely understand the good place that the question's coming from. I guess I, for me, I see the sacrifice of God and and what God has chosen to do. And for me, I'm just, I'm kind of, for me personally, just awed by it. I'm just awed that the creator of everything would be willing to suffer, be willing to experience death. You know, if you're eternal, you know, and you're you're open to the human experience and the the fear. I mean, I'm sure almost everybody who's listening to this at one point or another has thought, well, what if what if heaven isn't a thing? What if what if when you die, it's that's it? And I think for God to put Himself into human form and to feel that is extraordinary to, to go through that. And so um, for me, I, I'm, I'm awed by what God chose to do. Um, I, I also understand my friends who, who, who say, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I get that. But for me, I guess I'm just looking at it maybe through a different lens. I don't know. It's hard to separate the selfishness for me. Just from from what you're saying, that if you have everything, a lot of times I don't want to give up something that I have plenty of just because I want it all for myself. It's just my selfish nature. So for me to look at God and go, yeah, like you said, he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to suffer. And even leaving that out, like, why am I why am I interrupting this for what? I already have everything. The only people that don't have it are are, are them. And that's where for me that like the love 
and how just how selfish we are as as humans it doesn't compute and that that's kind of that make puts me in a little bit of awe so i think this is a great question i think that it opens up a lot more great questions such as i mean seriously though when you think about the context of eternity 3 years it's a drop in the bucket it's a blip on the screen I wonder sometimes if our focus on the sacrifice de-emphasizes the rest. In other words, there are people who died much more horrific deaths than Jesus died. So what makes Jesus' sacrifice significant in, in the bigger scheme of things. And we talk, we've talked before about, you know, is it easier to die for God or is it e- easier to live for God? And I wonder if that's a question that we could turn around. Was it easier for God to die for humanity or is it easier for God to do the living for humanity? And I wonder if the, the focus on the death could be flipped so that, so that the focus is on the life and on the eternality. I mean, it's a good question to think about, you know, you talked about God as eternal. If if there is an interruption in eternity where God dies, is that eternal? And if if God is who we live and breathe and have our being in, then could we still live and breathe and have our being if God is dead. And did all of God die or did a third of God die? I mean, those are huge questions that that we can ponder and think about that I don't think that there are good answers to. But for me, I I think that I, I guess I like the focus on on the life, on the eternality of the life and the living for versus the dying for. But the living the living that he did for 33 years, we don't think is easy. I mean, we just talked about all the problems we have, all the times that the shepherd has to come and write us and pick us back up. And he did it with perfection. Well, and, and I'm not only talking about, I mean, well, if, if we're thinking about God as eternal, then God didn't just live for 33 years. God right, lives no, but I'm, I'm eternally. Just thinking, so that's the life that I'm for the three For the, the three years that he really did go through the, the, the main trials and the, and the obviously the, the death and the crucifixion. But even... Which was difficult, but like you said, lots of people have been through that and worse. But it just made me think that, you know, life is hard. And I mean, why would you go through the last three were tough, but also I'm sure rewarding with his disciples and the people that he got to heal. And I mean, there was all that. I mean, I know we're kind of getting into some existential stuff, but I think (laughs) the other part of it is, is that God is timeless. Um Bible says he has no beginning, has no end, and God is not tied to a timeline the same way that we are. And so, again, I think that for Christ to go what through what he went through, I, I'm not so sure that it was just like a Anyway, I, I'm uh, getting into some, <laughs> but I, I I wonder. Firstly, we believe that that Christ has taken on humanity f- 
that when he took on humanity, he kept it, that um, when he was resurrected, that everything did not go back for him the way it was prior to being born of a woman into into the human race that 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 he that he carries our the scars for for the rest of eternity after this so again i agree i think it's a super good question i think it's a fair question i think again for me what awes me is that that God was willing to take on human flesh and all the the uncertainty that I feel in life. And I believe Christ felt that. I don't think that Christ, when he was here on earth, was like, well, let's see, 27 more years to go. All right, counting down. I know what's going to happen here. I know what's going to happen there. I think that he encountered surprises the same way that we do. I, certainly when you see him in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, Father, take this cup away. I don't want to drink of it, but not my will, but your will be done. We see somebody who's not really wanting to go through the experience that he's feeling pressing down on him. And um, anyway, for me, it's—I'm just, again, I'm, I've— the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life or it was kidney stones. And but that wasn't the that was the worst physical pain. But I've the mental anguish that I've gone through in my life, I'll take the physical pain over and over again over some of the mental anguish that I've gone through in my life. And when the Bible says that he carried the sins of us all, I can't begin to imagine if if Christ felt all the the shame and all the the fear and all the the hurt, and if he felt all of that that experience coming down on him, and just the overwhelmingness of it, and we're told that sin separates us from God, and so for the first time in God's existence, there was a part of him that was feeling alienated by sin from himself. I, I Again, stuff that's, you know, here I am, an ant trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, the coastline of the United States. I mean, I don't begin to think that I'm smart enough for that. But for me, again, through the lens that I look through, I see a God that's, that's desperately in love with me and didn't have to be. I mean, we yeah. can. I mean, you can create something and not care about it. People do that all the time. Yeah, it's really hard for us to sit here and talk about what God went through <laughs> because we have. There's just. I mean, the even these analogies that we're working through the, the analogy of a shepherd and sheep. Those are just to help us kind of get a a small, tiny glimpse. But when you look at us individually and then you look at our planet in the context of the universe, we're a pretty insignificant little dot. And and to think that that, that is not how God feels about us, yeah. about but, each of us. Yeah. And uh, that's a pretty big deal. So for us to say what he felt, um, and I love the fact that you brought in the separation piece because I don't think we even get 
what sin has done to our relationship. We don't even get that. So for us to figure that out, because God is God and he He is relational, to a, his core is relational, who he is, is all about love. And that's the one thing we do know. We know we're insignificant and we know that God is love. And other than that, it's pretty hard for us to say what God's going through. So, well, I, I guess we just trust that he didn't want to go through it, but he did it. <laughs> I like what you said, Jeff, because when I was five or six years old, my my dad my dad always loved making models of all kinds of different things. But I remember one particular one was when I think I was maybe five or six years old. We made uh, a model of an SR seventy. What is it? SR seventy six Blackbird, the, the spy oh, plane. The, Remember mm. the uh, SR seventy one? Is that it? Seventy one. Yeah, Blackbird. I Blackbird, think. Blackbird. Yeah. yeah. It was the it was a long skinny spy plane, and we we put that thing together, and it was you know at the time it was the you know this was back in very very early eighties, and it was like the the height of U.S technology in the air force right and we put together this this spy plane that was all but you know invisible except it did get shot down but anyway that's anyway <laughs> let's not go anyway but so i'm i put this thing together the analogy has broken down yeah the analogy has broken down but it was like the state of the art thing and i and you know 20 years later i'd be sitting in the cockpit of a b2 stealth bomber <laughs> The you know that the, the same kind of idea of technology, not the same uh, you know platform, but it, but it was the reason I wanted to sit in there is because I put together that model, and that model was nothing, <laughs> nothing <laughs> like sitting in a B two stealth bomber. I mean, the technology is completely different, but what that model did at an early age is it put in me this this desire to know more and. To have an understand basic understanding of some things, I think sometimes when it comes to the Bible, we have to understand that there that eye has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has in store for us. And when we when we have these these metaphors, they're they're the the plasticky little dinky SR seventy one model that that doesn't compare to the real thing, but is a uh, just a tool to to get us, you know, our four year old, five year old brain to start comprehending some of the basics of, of this. And so, I liked what you said, Jeff, because to me, that's where it comes down to: is that I I want to be in a perpetual state of awe of who God is, and recognize that whatever little scratch of the surface that I understand about God, there'll come a day. Um, I believe after Christ returns, where I'm going to laugh at how hilarious it was that I thought, you know, it's like when you look back and being four years old and 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 think you you have it all figured out, and you look back and you're like, how ridiculous is how ridiculous is that that I I mean I I kind of understood, but it wasn't even close to what things really are, yeah. and um, and so. I'm grateful that we have a God, though, that puts the model together with us, that, that puts the model out there and says, hey, I love you. I know that I know you're not going to get quantum physics, but you're going to go ahead and we still teach you and try to move you in that direction because I want you to know me. I want you to have an idea of who I am. He left me early in algebra. 
<laughs> not quantum physics. I don't know about you. But I do feel oh, like, I, I, was, I, do, yeah. I do think it's important that we do understand that because we tend to uh, create these assurities and doctrines and dogmas around things that are not fully, uh, they don't stand on all four. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think I've told this uh, illustration in a sermon, but I, I took my my um, my wedding band in to be repaired and both my children were very concerned. My, um, my, my son in particular was, he's like, daddy, how are people going to know that you and mommy are married if your wedding if you if your wedding band is you know if you're not wearing it? And my daughter just just takes on this just I'm I'm a whole 19 months older than you I'm so much smarter than you. he goes Eric. It's because he has red lips, and people will know that he kisses mommy because he has red lips. I mean, all the assurance you know of a yeah. four-year-old who's so much smarter by 19 months, and I think that sometimes we are that 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 older sister being like. Come on, everybody knows that the theology of this. How can you say this ridiculous stuff? And God, I, I think being the loving parent must I, <laughs> I hope he's amused. Yeah. But and and but maybe maybe we could be a little bit more humble yeah. with with our brothers and sisters who don't don't understand, don't see something the same way that we do. And hold the possibility that maybe even we don't quite exactly get it a hundred percent right. Hey, Kyla, your, theo- your theology stands up for me. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I was there the whole way. I th- we'll see if she, uh, I'll get a text message. We'll see if she's listening to this <laughs> if one she's or not. Listening, there you go. All right. So we're down to the last one. This was the teaser question that uh, we didn't have time for at second service. Ed, when you read verse three, it says, leads me through the paths of righteousness, which is plural. We were always taught that there was only one way to God. So because it says paths, plural, are there many more pathways to God? Can we just say yes and? Um, there is, Jesus is the only, is the way. How each one of us experiences Jesus, um, I have been on a different path than Jeff and Randy and Melanie. And so I think that I wouldn't say that all paths lead to Jesus, but do I think that there are multiple life routes? Well, there have to be because each one of us has gone on a different route um, at a different at different times. And I do believe that there are different, I believe that there's sometimes more than one right way to do something. And so there are paths of righteousness, but there's only one way to, to the Father, and that's through Jesus, because that's what Jesus tells us. Can these paths, though, of, of righteousness, can they be a path of righteousness if the path you've chosen isn't the right path, but God's still working with you on that path to lead you to righteousness? That was really the question that came from me because (laughs) I've been on a lot of paths in my life. A ton of them were not the path of righteousness. But looking back, this is kind of what I talked about earlier. I know for a fact that the only way that that path 
eventually intersected with the path that I'm on was because God brought it there. It wasn't me who chose that path and said, yeah, yeah, this is, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm, I'm going to figure that I figured it out and now I'm on the right path. So God has to be a part of that path, whether it starts as the path what of righteousness we, or not. What if we looked at it in a different way? And again, I'm just, uh, yeah. just shooting here. What if it was a bunch of paths and it's only righteous because you're with God on it? Yeah, yeah. Do you see what mm, I'm saying? Yeah. In other words... I didn't explain it as good as you. That, uh, thank you. <laughs> that, that we, I that, didn't either, so it makes you feel... <laughs> Did I mention that I brought a book suggestion today? <laughs> so so basically the idea is that, you know, you could call it a bad path, but... If you're walking with Jesus, it's a righteous path. There were times when I was walking with Jesus that I didn't know I was. You didn't know, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely had no clue. And would have someone say, man, you've you've really, you know, making some good choices or you did this. And like, what does that have to do with anything? Until you look back and go, wow, that really was, that really was a turning point. But I totally didn't see it. I didn't consciously make an effort to... I'm going to try to do better. I, it was the furthest yeah. thing from my mind. But we do. But to be honest with you, we do do that. We create like it's the path that's the righteous piece. And it's not the person that you're on the path with. And we create these kind of almost uh, directives that people, you know, and all of a sudden we forget, wait a minute, where's Jesus in all of this? Yeah. Mine, the GPS just keeps going rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. So it's just a big squiggle all over, the, all over the map. So I, there's too many paths to count. I yeah. like that, Jeff. I think I, keep, I think you can also leave the beaten path. Yeah. I think you can forge new paths. Yeah. I think you can stop and pick flowers. Yeah. I think you can hang off the side of a cliff. And yeah. As long yeah. as you've got a travel partner. Slide through the you, gravel You're going to be okay. You're yeah. going to be fine. I like it. Well, I, I can't wait to continue in this because I just feel like this is, in, in some ways, it's something we all know pretty well as far as a, a, a biblical story or an idea or the the metaphor that's being used to try to teach us. But it, it also just feels like it opens itself up to, you know, uh, God's perspective is infinite time, space, and resources. I mean, there's a lot of things that we just don't know that can make it interesting. So. Next week, oh, I did not put, what is next week's uh, message? Is it? Yay, though I walk through, through the, the valley, valley of the shadow of death. death. Okay. I fear no evil. <laughs> I forgot to put that staff, in. Uh, comfort me. I forgot to put that one in there. So that's what's up. Well, that I'm sure we'll have plenty of more questions to uh, go. And so this week, uh, I'll be in the chat early in the morning because we're going to ask for all your questions as much as possible for first <laughs> service because we're going to try to record the podcast because Randy's going to be gone next week on Tuesday. And so I'm hoping that we can get this all done early. So I'll be in the chat bugging you all for questions early. So bring them. So when are we recording this for uh, next week? Uh, right after first service. <laughs> Should we invite people to come and? Oh, you, you, he wants to bring open mic in the office. That's fine. We Should can we record one more. it at my office? We could record. During Sabbath school time? And we could bring all the people who want to sit in can. That be fun. Uh, okay. Well, it's here. an invitation only for people who are listening yeah, to this right, right now. Just so. pay your admission at the door. Hey, right. Tito, guess what? <laughs> listening on listening on the Tuesday after, bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously though. If yeah, come on up. We'll, so, you uh, want, so what do you think? Yeah, you let's do, let's do that. We'll do it in second floor. 
second floor in the office. Ken's, you'll see Ken's office straight in, and oh, then gosh. I'll have the microphone set up, and then we'll uh, we'll bring one open mic so you can ask questions. Uh, we'll leave one open That'll so be that fun. you can come I through, like kind of like we do at uh, yeah. church retreat. Church retreat. Yeah. It'll just be a smaller, yeah. or more compact. I won't be able to be there, but you guys will have fun. So now we can have two open mics. Now we can have two open mics. <laughs> there you go. Well, I tell you what, first person, if you want to be, if you want to sit in with us, uh, send me, the closest thing we'll do is send me your number between one and 10 and your name if you'd like to sit in on Jeff's spot and the closest yeah, one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And if only one comes, well, then we'll go, we'll go with it. But if not, we'll uh, we'll, we'll go by the number one and 10. Podcast at wholelife.church, 407-965-4607. <laughs> so I will be doing new member orientation. <laughs> I'll be Jeez. doing new member orientation at that time. So if you're listening and you need to come to new member orientation. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, so should we not? Maybe we shouldn't do it in my office then. No, I can do it in my office. Sure. sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So it's Dan's, Ken's office. Let me know if you'd like to be on the show. This could be fun. This could be, but we're going to be. Could on, be. It also, will be. Also, we're going to be on a time crunch because we only have so much time before Melanie needs to be back downstairs. Right. And I guess Ken, he's preaching. So, you know. <laughs> Ken's got more time than He'll I do. He'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> It'll wait. <laughs> We're still upstairs, guys. Just keep, keep it rolling downstairs. Another worship song. Let's That's go. it. One more. Add one to the set list. Well, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate all the questions and all of the uh, the emails and the support. And uh, thank you for listening and have a great week. 